0: We can truly search, and we will find that we have confirmed what we already knew. There is none like our God. This season of Christmas, we celebrate like no other uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the reason why we celebrate like no other, because there's so much surrounding this Christmas season that has engrafted and... And if we're not careful, might blind us and move away from us the importance of this season. I know that many of us will decorate, and celebrate, make up our Christmas wish list and tell everybody what we want for Christmas, expecting to see all those gifts show up. But in midst of all of that, we cannot neglect and put first that it's Jesus we celebrate because when we allow the society to dictate uh, to us how to celebrate Christmas we're just like them and there's times that we want to judge society when it's convenient for us but we need to look in the mirror to say am I a part of them or am I a part of Christ? Because in this time, as we celebrate, we're looking at who Jesus is. And we know that he was not just a man, but he was fully God and fully man. And since he was fully God and fully man, he was born of the Virgin Mary. And, and, and one thing that, that I love about this truth of him being born of this Virgin Mary, that this was told in the past. If you look in Isaiah, the 7th chapter, we see that she will, he will be born of a virgin. And we see there's mighty other names that they will call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. But then we come now where we're going to look today on the ninth chapter. We see again a great coming of this great Messiah, the anointed king that's going to come. Looking at verses 1 to uh, verses 7, the prophet is proclaiming to them that there's going to be a child and he is going to come. He's going to be a light in this dark area called the area of the Gentiles, the Galilee of the Gentiles. But he will be there. You look in the Matthew 4 chapter, he began his ministry there. Once John the Baptist was incarcerated, he began his ministry and tell him to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That was the light coming forth. And so it's foretelling us of this child that's going to be born. But we understand he did not stay as a child. That he was going to grow and become a man. And as he became this man, he was already all these things, these images of the cross. He was already a prophet. He was already a priest. He was already a king. How could he have already been a prophet, priest, or a king when he was just born? Tell your neighbor he was God. And you know, God is everlasting. He's always been around. And so it came to us to be manifested for us to understand that when he was born, it came to our acknowledgement that, oh, this is the Messiah. This is the anointed one. This is the one that came to take away the sins of the world. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the blessed lamb that was to be slain to us now is slain. But hallelujah, he rose again. And so as we celebrate this season, as, as we can unpack this great gift and unwrap, excuse me, unwrap this great gift of Christ, the first gift we want to wrap that he is prophet. Now we're going to wrap the gift that he is king. See, we will celebrate our, when we come down, I, I, know, I know we're going to get, forget about it because we're going to wake up Christmas morning, we're going to wake up with the kids, we're going to wake up, give each other's gifts, but we won't take the time to say thank you, Jesus. For the gift of salvation, thank you, Jesus, for the gift of relationship we have with you. And part of this relationship we have with him is as king. A king, if you define, if you look up the definition for a king, you will find to say, a chief ruler, a, a sovereign, a one invested with supreme authority over a nation, country, or tribe, usually be heredity, succession, a monarch, a prince. You can think about how definitely in this time as we are in in definitely maybe in mourning as the world's in mourning as they lost a king in Mandiva, also known as Nelson Mandela, that he was the rightful leader of that tribe to come to lead his people, but the minority that was there suppressed him, imprisoned him so that he could not take his proper place. How this even lines up that Jesus being born, the rifle heir, the rifle king, they did, the minority did what they could to stop him from being king. But, you know, you can't stop God. Because I, I made it clear that even before he was born, he was already king. Because he is God. And since God is king of Israel, but check that even the history of Israel, they rejected him as their king and as as prophet and judge Samuel looks to them because Samuel's sons, Samuel's sons didn't act right. And since the sons did not act right, they said, we don't want them l- ruling over. We want some kings like the neighboring nations. And now Samuel's upset, not only because they rejected him, but they rejected his sons. And Samuel said, wait a minute, y'all, that's not right. This is what God has set in place. Why are, y'all, why are you rejecting me? But God woke Samuel up and said, Samuel, you're missing the bigger picture he tells them they, they want a king, so God tells them, tell Samuel, do everything they say to you. The Lord replied, for it is me they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. God warned them that a king that would be, that would be raised up like their neighbor in Israel caused more problems for them. He has the prophet Samuel warned them and points out because they have replaced the Lord with a human king, there will be a time of despair because of the demands of the human king. Therefore, God says, When the day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding, but then the Lord will not help you. Mm. They will fall by this way wayward king. Well, what happened was God allowed kings to rise and kings to fall. That means that the king got you into this mess. You're going to wait till that king dies, and then you get another king, hopefully to be in good place. But it's a it's a shift here because in the past they in the judges when they messed up, they cried out to God and God heard them. You say, well, wh- what's this got to do with us and our king? My question is this: Is God your king? Because if He's your king, He's there to help you if he's not your king, he's not there to help you. Go to who you call king. If money's your king, right, you look for money always to help you out. I'm not talking to y'all. I want y'all to give this message to other people that have these issues. Because y'all here, y'all, y'all know who the king, so that's all right. Y'all, I'm not talking to you. I want you to share this with somebody else to let them know that you were in trouble because money became your king. And you look for money to bail you out, but money became a bigger trap for you. You thought you could self-medicate, and so by your self-medication, you thought you were getting yourself stronger, but now you became weaker, and now you're wondering why you're in the sick condition that you're in. Or you thought you could surround yourself with people to make you feel better about yourself, so you did everything you could to satisfy that need of acceptance, but yet you feel, still feel alone. When we look at things that have become our kings and we realize that God is not our king, we start looking for help from those, those pseudo kings and find out they don't have any rule, any authority, nor any power to do anything. And so when we look at how God has already set a place that he is king and that we should acknowledge him as king, we should understand how he is king. And so we see this great prophet coming, telling us in Isaiah, the ninth chapter, you see that how the verbiage is, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. He, is, he did not say a child will be born, but the prophet, you see how the prophet is speaking. The prophet is speaking under the authority of God as if it has already been done which means is that what he was saying as a prophet was truth and that it was already done in the spiritual realm. We just have not physically seen it because he was already king before he was born of the virgin man. But the prophet was foretelling that what I am saying through the power of God is going to come forth. So these were the signs of the king, the signs of the king that he will be born with all authority it says that how the government will rest on his shoulders you look in Isaiah 22 and 22 it says this I will give him the key to the house of David the highest position in the royal court when he opens doors no one will be able to close them when he closes doors no one will be able to open them that's why is that because he got the key and so not only does he have the key of David, but he'll have the power, the government, the authority on his shoulders. Again, this is spoken as it already has come. And this is what I want you to grab. Here's the shift of understanding why he is king. He, Jesus, when he walked this earth, he was not recognized as king. They, there are some times when they wanted to make him as king, and he escaped them because he knew their intentions. But yet, when did he become king? Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. If you look at Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, he says this after his resurrection. After he has suffered and died for the penalty of our sins, then he has taken his place of authority. And this is the kingdom that we're waiting for because this kingdom that Isaiah is speaking of is the second coming of our king. Because when he comes, when he comes, we'll have peace. For when he comes, there'll be no more troubles. There'll be no trials and tribulations. He will defeat the enemy once and for all and will forever be in his reign and in his, under his rule. But yet when Jesus came, he let us know that we can have a taste of the kingdom. Oh, glory be to God. That's why he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand signs of the kingdom was the son was born of a virgin he came and fulfilled when he went into the temple he says this has been fulfilled for you that what the prophet came to preach to the poor to see the the blind regain sight and heal the lame he came to fulfill the prophecy and so check this out once you receive jesus as your resurrected lord and savior and make him king of your life your perspective and view of life change because You no longer live by the world, but by his word. Because look how great this king is. This king is not like the nation's kings that will oppress you and depress you. God let them know that if you get a king out of this world like the other nations, this is what he's going to do. He's going to take your children. He's going to put them in his army. They will become his slaves. He's going to take a tenth of your property. Look what God said. He didn't say stop giving me my tenth. He said, you're going to still require to give to me what's mine, but the king is going to take his too. Nowhere in there did it say the king will give you this. No, the king was going to cause problems. But when our king came, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give you life more. Abundantly say, I've come that you might have peace. I, I've come so that you might know joy. I, I've come so that you might be united with the father. You see here that the king whom we should serve is the best king. So I remind, Isaiah reminds us of God's sovereignty of this great king that he's sovereign. He is ruler by himself. In Colossians 2, nine eleven 11 says, For in him all the fullness indeed it dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. So do you understand that under the sovereignty of our Christ as the head, then we should be submissive to him in his will. Looking at this king, look at the names he gives to the king. Y'all see that there? If you have the King James version, they might have a comma after wonderful. So they may say it may read this way. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So you might have f- five or you might have four. But either way, if Marvel, if, if wonderful and counselor are separated or not, most of these compound names basically is emphasize the same thing that if he's wonderful it means that he is God, there's no one else wonderful but God. That's where the wonderful comes into, that he is wonderful. He's all, all together amazing, all together brilliant, all by himself. So that's why we like the psalm. It says, who is the king of glory, the Lord God almighty. We'll get to that mighty part in the next part. But yet in the standpoint of the wonderfulness, of his glory, of his splendor, no one can stand in his glory. No one can stand in his splendor uh, as, as we are. He has to change us to be like him so we can be in front of him in his splendor and in his glory, but if you don't just take wonderful by itself, then it goes that he is wonderful counselor. Isaiah goes on to say, who was there to give God counsel? Who was there to advise the almighty God? The answer to that question, because it was a rhetorical question, a resounding no. Who is wise like God? So to think that my king is the wonderful counselor means this, that every problem I have in my life, he has the answer. How do I know he has the answer? I don't know how he has the answer, but by what he said, that he's the wonderful counselor. And since he's the wonderful counselor, since he's the wonderful counselor, he does not have to take an exam every year to keep his license. He doesn't have to go to a conference just just, just to have some hours to say that I'm still a counselor. No, I am the wonderful counselor. I'm able to help all your needs. You got marriage problems, I'm a marriage counselor. You got children problems, I'm a parent counselor. You got financial problems, I'm a financial advisor. Come see me. That's why James says that if you lack wisdom, go to him who gives what? Lavishly. Oh, hallelujah. Why does he give lavishly? Because he got all of that to give. He's the wonderful counselor. There's no, there should be no problems in our lives that we never know which way to go when you got the all knowing God right there. So in the times that you're issues of doubts, times of issues of not knowing what proper decision to make, I want you to know that that's the time that you need to stop doing what you're doing and say, God, have your way. And oftentimes, God's way means you just need to stand still. Because if you look how God can operate, he operates when we obey him, not the other way around. We try to do stuff and say, God, bless it. That's like you getting you a get car with no insurance, thinking the police going to let you go. It's out of order. We need to go to God and trust God, then we're covered. That way, the next time they come, you're covered. But you're not covered when you do it out of order. The wonderful counselor will bless us, guide us, and direct us. Then he's the mighty God, El Gibor, God of strength. The mighty one is the title given only to the Lord God of Israel. You can look through. There's no one else they call mighty like that. Especially with that Hebrew word, the El Gabor, mighty God, God of strength. Basically saying he is omnipotent. Can nobody stand up to God? That's why we get excited in our times of depression, in our times of weakness, that we can look up to the hills. From which cometh our strength, all our strength cometh from the Lord. That's why we look in Isaiah, we get comfortable. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's why we can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? This is all based on the. T- truth of the character of God that he is God of strength that he is a mighty God having the power and another part about having and knowing a mighty God is this not only is he able to do it he can do it you know there's a lot of people that are able to do stuff but can't do it We mean what they mean able to do it but can't do it you might be able to go into the bank but if you don't have any money, you can't withdraw anything. <laughs> Some of y'all been there before. Am I right about it? Maybe they didn't go to the bank, but you went to the ATM machine. You said I must put my code in wrong. No, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. But you see, God is not only able, but he can. He can move mountains. He can make stormy seas peaceful. What does that mean? That means that imagine whatever you're going through. Imagine how big it really is and then compare that to God and find out how small it really is. That's how mighty he is. He is big. He is strong. Deuteronomy ten seventeen says, For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Oh, that's a good king. We know some other people that, that take bribes, that show partiality. Because I, I, I guarantee I guarantee that if God was a king like that, so on partiality, I would not be where I am in my life. I bet you could testify the same, because I so to know some people that are better off than me, smarter than me, look better than me, can read better than me, add better than me, that' say have better things or that, but yet yeah, it was by God's grace, not on partiality. Because you could tell the truth, you look around a lot of people that are better than you are, but you realize that it's not by me, it's by His grace. And when we see that, oh, God, I'm so great that you are not partial, that you are mighty, that you are an awesome, you are a benevolent, loving God. And we saw that in the son, that God, the son, showed no partiality. The same mighty, awesome God spent time with the weak, the poor, the depressed, and they flocked to him. Because they saw the power in him. We saw an example of that, knowing that good story we love, the woman with the issue of blood. He was walking, and what did he say? I felt my power leave me. That was a response when they, Peter saying, here, I know what's going on. You see all these people around you. How you know somebody touched I felt the power. Mm. Almighty power of God has the power that when we come to him, we're able to see change in our lives. And the same power that we know that Jesus has this, he says this to them, these things I've spoken to you so that you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. See that power of God that He overcame death. Think about how death, even the disciples' death, had them defeated death, had them despondent death, had them locked up, scared us of how death was going to enter their lives. Death scared Peter so much, he cursed and said, I don't know the man, not once, not twice, but three times he let them know I don't know the man death had them scared that they don't know if I go out they might kill me too but when he rose up from the grave and told them I've overcome the world death has no victory look at my resurrection that's when they went out and says I'm not scared of death I'm going to proclaim his truth and they proclaim his truth were witness of it and evident of it because of the Holy Spirit took over them that you saw what happened to Acts how they turned the world upside down by proclaiming His truth. Why was that? Because of the power of Jesus. Death did not scare them any longer. Peter and Paul had been locked up many a times. Death threatened to them, but every time they were smiling, singing hymns, and giving praise to God. So I'm going to proclaim His truth. That's that power. Then look, not only does He have, He's mighty God, but He's eternal Father. What does it mean by how can the God, the son, be the eternal father? Well, God and the father are one, but also it points out that not only is the eternal father, but he is eternity. That he is everlasting, that he has no end, that he's infinite, that there's no time ending. So he could be the father of time or the everlasting father or how sometimes they call him the God of ages. Mean that he's everlasting, eternal again. Remember, he was already prophet, priest, and king before he was born of the Virgin of Mary. He is the eternal loving father. Not only is he eternal signified in this time, but yet of his father. Jesus says when he came to Jerusalem, weeping, wailing, says how I love to herd you in like a mother's chicks. her her chicks in. You can see the fatherly care for him looking to to tend to us and care for us. He says, I am the good shepherd. I come to tend to you, look after you. We see him, how he cares for us and loves us. Think, who is a better king like that, that is looking to tenderly care for us and move at our pace? You know, as a good shepherd, as a good king, as a good father, he moves at everybody's pace because how many here don't always get it the first time? So you need somebody that can take some time with you. And that's our king, that he can take his time. Ooh, glory. Paul went on to say, I was the worst of sinners. I was chief of sinners. But God used me as an example of his great patience. I said, Paul, that's me too. <laughs> I bet you said the same thing. That's me too because God so enough had a lot of patience to deal with such sinners like us. But he loved us in such a way mm, that he had patience with us. And because of this great patience with us, he is what? The prince of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. But we have the one who is peace, who brings peace, who brought forth peace for Ephesians second chapter verse fourteen nineteen 19 says it this way for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so that in himself he might make the two into one new man thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to you who are far away and to peace to those who were near for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the father oh in that good news you see how it's summed up to us that how he brought forth peace to us in Ephesians the second chapter he brought peace to us by why he tore down the dividing wall we were at enmity. We were at war against God. We couldn't, we couldn't bring peace on our own, but only the great triumphant king could come and bring us peace by he being the great sacrifice for our sins that he defeated, death, rose again, and now we can boldly come because this great mediator, our great king is there, and his kingdom will have no end. His kingdom will have no end. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over us. Can you see that? How his kingdom will have no end because he's the eternal father, the everlasting father. The kingdom of David will reign on forever and his peace will reign on forever. There's no end to peace because there's no end of him. Because he is peace. He's the prince of peace. And so God has called the eternal kingdom to come through the lineage of King David. And Jesus is the right heir to the king. Did we not cover that? That he is the right heir to the king. And he was the perfect king that whom they were waiting for to love on them, not to hurt them, not to hinder them. He is the answer to their cries. Isaiah 9 and 7 says to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And how do we know this is going to be done? Because the passion of the Lord will see it done. Think about this king that we celebrate come Christmas. This king has done so much for us that it'd be a shame that we'll spend all day Christmas Day celebrating how we love each other by giving gifts, and we don't celebrate the king. It'd be messed up that how we give homage to one another that we never give homage to him. It'd be uh, embarrassing to think about how we will wake up and talk about Santa Claus. And not talk about Jesus. When we see that his zeal, his passion, how do we know his zeal, his passion? John 3, 16. For God so loved. That was his passion. His passion moved him to send his son to die for us his passion was even evident in the garden of Gethsemane Jesus realizing that this great torment and pain and suffering was going to fall on his body but he being the king of kings realized that lord is thy will to be done so let them crucify me I know I'm going to betray I know I'm going to be turned over into the hands of men they're going to mock me they're going to reject me matter of fact they're even going to put up mockingly their king King of the Jews, and they're going to reject me, say, he's not our king but I'm so glad that even though they mocked him with a crown of thorns he has rose from the grave with all power and all authority and those who rejected him have no choice but to accept him how do I know that because Philippians tells us that every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess that he is Lord oh that's not good enough well if you look in revelation he will come on a white horse and Lord will be on his shaft and the angels oh hallelujah they will celebrate triumphantly that the king has come back and so as we're waiting for the resurrection I'm sorry we're waiting for the return of our king we can worship him now we can exalt him now we can praise him now we don't have to wait for a Sunday morning we can do it Monday morning We can do it Monday afternoon. We can do it Monday evening. So sure enough, I know you've been there. You can do it in the midnight hour to know that he is king. He is king of kings, lords of lords. That's why I will praise him to the rising of the sun and to the setting of the same. I will worship him because he is king. And not only is he just a king, but he's the best kind of king. He's the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the prince of peace. He is the everlasting father. He is Emmanuel. He is the bright the morning star. He is a lamb of Judah. He is a lion of Judah. He is a resurrected lamb that was slain for our transgressors. I'm so glad today. Good day now to May the Lord bless you real good. On your way home, you are to testify that I worship the king of kings. I worship the lord of lords. I worship the host of hosts and he is king of my life. So I'm going to walk different. I'm going to talk different. I'm going to act differently because of who he is. Not only because who he is, but who he is in my life. And I'm so glad that I have a personal relationship with him. I'm going to close with this. I like this joke. You might like it too. But when you have a personal relationship with God, you know him as your own. But there was a man that died and he was, he was trying to, he, he, he was at the gates of heaven. See, it's a joke, y'all. At the, at the gates of heaven, he was trying to say, how do you know God? He says, I know him. I know him by name. And what's his name? He said, Andy. What do you mean, Andy? He so said, Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. But when you have a personal relation with the Lord, you don't know him as Andy, but you know him as Lord. Because you'll cry out that name in those times, right? Lord, save me. Lord, have mercy. Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. So is it your king? Do you know his name? Do you cry out his name? And the beautiful thing is he knows your name too. He knows your name too. (laughs) Every head bowed every eyes closed. Let's turn to this great King. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Truly you are our King. You are resurrected high and lifted up, seated at the right hand, waiting to come back again. And Father Lord, we anticipate the coming again of our Lord and Savior. And so we want to walk right now as ambassadors of your kingdom, ambassadors of your ministry of reconciliation, that we want to show to this world that you are love, that you are peace. And God, in times of difficulty, may we be reminded to turn back to you for counsel. Turn back to you for strength. Turn back to you for love and caring and peace. Turn back to you for guidance. For you are the wonderful counselor, you are the Prince of Peace, you are the eternal Father. Father, we thank you that you are mighty. Power and glory come from you. Lord, there might be someone here who just decided, Lord, I just want to give it all back to your surrender. Lord, we join them in prayer because, Lord, we do the same thing. Because daily, Lord, we must deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow after you. Lord, there might be someone here who says, I want to know what I must do to be saved. Lord, I pray that we'll be able to counsel them and disciple them and share this great gospel. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is King, who is Lord, who is God. Move in our hearts right now. Give us your peace right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. May we st-